like that. You want to try that. Everybody, welcome to like this Monday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. Oh my goodness, I am in a good mood. I wasn't in a good mood last night, but you got you know what? Right now, sitting here at 3:14 on this October 9th Sunday for me, Monday, October 10th, so 10:10, which is interesting. 10:10. It is a tale of two days. For yours truly. And we'll start off with the positive news first. Start with the positive one, because I don't want to start off the show on a negative topic. So, but before we get into that topic, though, I want to make sure to tell all of you to, to geez, to make sure you're following Logan Blackman Show on every single form of social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and of course, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Twitter, you can find me at Logan underscore Blackman. Instagram is Blackman Logan, the show's Instagram account being the Logan Blackman Show 1. Facebook and YouTube, search Logan Blackman Show, they'll pop up. Make sure you follow and subscribe to both those channels. Watch a few videos, click on a few blog posts as well. You can go and check out our, mo- our uh, not mock draft, our week five quarterback prospect preview for the 2023 NFL draft, for whatever reason, I was struggling to come up with that name for it. You can go to loganblackmanshow.com and go to the blog section and view it there. I'd greatly appreciate it and give it a heart if you feel desired to or feel led to. And then, of course, you listen to the podcast right now. So make sure, if you're not already, follow the Logan Blackman Show on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Leave a rating out of five stars. Leave a description down below on why you feel the way you do. Now, the reason I am in a good mood today (laughs) is because most most of it had to do because my mood was so tragic yesterday. But right now, like when you go from the lowest of lows to the highest of highs, when you watch some of the worst offensive play calling you can think of, or just some of the worst offensive play you can think of, like, just picture it. You don't need a picture, you can just watch it Saturday, but we'll talk about that in a little bit, because I want to start off a positive here. But when you go from that to the most unstoppable offense when everything's clicking in the entire United States, I wasn't going to say world, because, I mean, technically, yes, I don't think there's an offense in the world that can compare to the Buffalo Bills offense, but, you know, we're the only country that really plays. I know they have, like, in Germany every once in a while, I think there's some leagues scattered across Asia. There's obviously Canadian football, but man, when this Bills offense is clicking, there is not a better team in the NFL. We said this after the Dolphins game, and that Dolphins game was a real, a real dark time for a lot of Bills fans out there because after you watch them win their their previous two games by a combined score of what? What was the combined score? Seventy-two to seventeen. Was that the combined score? I believe it was between the Titans and the the Rams. The number ones, the reigning number one seed from the AFC and the reigning Super Bowl champions. When you see those two games, these thoughts are bad, but you have these thoughts creep into your head. They're like, I don't see where they get a loss here. You look at the rest of their schedule and you just see what they did to the top two teams from the last season, or two of the top teams from last season. You're like, wow, they could they could really go undefeated. Yeah, they could really do it. And then uh they have a game like the Dolphins game. Now we've talked about why. That game's an anomaly numerous times before and why it will not happen again when they play later this year. And we'll talk about what the Dolphins did today that further cements that fact, but we're not here to talk about the Dolphins, at least for right now. We're here to talk about the Bills. And then last week, you know, they started off slow. Josh Allen threw an interception on the first drive of the game, which is the first drive this season where the Bills have not resulted in, did not have a touchdown. And it looked like we were going to have that in today's game against the Pittsburgh Steelers. And then Josh Allen hits Gabe Davis for a 98-yard touchdown on third down. On the two-yard line. Longest play the Steelers have given up from scrimmage since 1966. 98 yards. Pass play. Double coverage. Josh Allen throws Gabe Davis. Wide-ass open. Walk-in touchdown. When this offense is going, 
there's not a team in the league that can stop it. Not now. Obviously, we have we have figured out Heat can beat this team. <laughs> we can, we have figured it out that Heat is a a big factor in this team and how it can uh, completely derail what you thought was going to be a damn near perfect season. Now it still can be. It still can be. But they obliterated the Steelers today. Obliterated them. Now it started off slow after the touchdown that Gabe Davis had. The Bills then recovered a fumbled punt or fumble kickoff by the Steelers, and then didn't do anything with it. Didn't do anything. They didn't do anything with the ball for a little bit in the game, and it was kind of like kind of like watching the Rams' first half. You know what I'm talking about, where the Bills really, in that first half against the Rams, dominated the game. Absolutely dominated the game. But they were tied, what, was it 10-10 to at halftime? The scoreline should not have been 10-10. to That's one of those things where the scoreline is generous to the other team. Like, we all know the Bills should have been winning that, but they shot themselves in the foot a thousand times. Like, their first drive, touchdown, three plays, 98 yards. And then fumble, then they miss the field goal in their next drive. It was blocked. Bad kick by Tyler Bass. Then they make the field goal in the next drive. And these are not, like, extremely long drives that the Bills were having at this point. And then Josh Allen throws an interception in the red zone. Or near the red zone. Not in the red zone, but near the red zone, if I remember correctly. But, uh... How how did the ball even get picked off? I don't know. Oh, he yeah, he tried to lob it towards the corner of the end zone, and Levi Wallace picked it off. Yeah, former Bills quarterback Levi Wallace came away with an interception. It was one of those where it's like, man, this is this is frustrating because they should be dominating, and then they come back after the interception, one play, one hitter, quitter, Gabe Davis again, touchdown, and then it just was a tidal wave from there, absolute tidal wave. Josh Allen had 348 yards passing in the first half. 348 yards in the first half. He had 14 completions in the first half. And he had 348 yards. He had 42 yards rushing in this game as well. And he had four touchdowns passing. He finished the game with 424 yards. I challenge you, and this is this is a great game to have leading up to the Kansas City Chiefs game, which is next week. And we're not going to have a show on Friday, so I apologize for that because as we've said before, I, I, I don't remember if I said this or not. I'm going to be going down to Hillsborough, Texas. My best friend's getting married down in Texas. So my parents and I are driving down on Thursday, which is when we normally record a show. And then we're going to go to the Bills-Chiefs game Sunday. So will that be a show on Friday, and there will not be a show on Monday? I'm sorry for that. Program announcement. I don't, know, I don't remember if I talked about it or not, but program announcement. But this team is just so good. <laughs> it's so crazy that this team has got one loss. And this game is an exact reason why. Like, when you're – this, I, I'm not – Naive to the fact that the Steelers are not a good football team. We said this before the year started. They don't really have a good old line. Their secondary is good, but they don't have T.J. Watt in this game either. T.J. Watt tore his peck or had a, uh, what he, he did something to his peck against the Browns, so he's out for a few more weeks after this. And the Steelers have not won a game when T.J. Watt has not played. So that's not ideal for the Pittsburgh Steelers and T.J. Watt, <laughs> especially since last year when these two teams played. T.J. Watt was the main reason, if not the end-all and be-all of the game last year, of why the Bills lost the Steelers week one last year. It was a brutal game. T.J. Watt told Daryl Williams the right tackle for the Bills. New asshole in that game. It was brutal. In this game, there was no T.J. Watt. There was no threat of that. I said on Friday that I was slightly nervous because Finger Fitzpatrick was there. But, man, they looked good. And against teams like this, against teams that are not quote-unquote very good, you need to have games like this. Because you could be like the Vikings and play a not very good football team, lead for a majority of the game, and then allow them to take the lead later before winning it late. That's not you if you're a good team, you have to put away the bad teams. 
You cannot struggle with bad teams. Because it's a game where everybody's expecting you to win. Every single person out there is expecting you to win. You cannot look past that opponent, and that's what the Bills didn't do this week. They didn't look past the Pittsburgh Steelers. You have a, a rematch of the, the 2022 AFC Divisional Round game against Kansas City Chiefs next Sunday. 325, the game of the week for next week. You have it's I I would not have blamed them for looking past the Steelers. A one in three Steelers team that has not played very well the past last few weeks. But they didn't. They didn't struggle at all. They struggled early. They struggled early. They had some miscommunication on offense. They stalled drives out and stuff like that. Missed opportunities. But man, they once they got clicking, they got clicking good. And this is the first time I've ever experienced this as a Bills fan. They switched. So the Bills Steelers was the national game. This week, Tony Romo and Jim Nance were on the call in this game. It was nationally broadcast on CBS. And they switched it at the start of the fourth quarter to the Chargers-Browns game. And this is weird, not because they switched it, because I've had Bills games get switched before, but it was before, it was for other reasons, for the exact opposite reason why this game was getting switched. The Bills were dominating the game. In the past, the Bills were getting their ass kicked. So it was like, oh yeah, okay, that's fine, that's fine. My dad and I had probably already stopped watching the game anyways. Or if we weren't stopped watching, my dad was just sitting there angrily with looking at his phone. That's probably what he was <laughs> But this is one where it just changed. And you you can't really be like, you want to watch your team. You want to watch your team play. And we missed James Cook scoring a rushing touchdown. His first touchdown of his NFL career. Good job, James. And the rookies for the Bills all balled out today. Kyrie, Khalil Shakir, draft pick from Boise State. 75 yards receiving the touchdown. First touchdown of his career. James Cook, we already said, got his first touchdown. Kyrie Elam. First round draft pick. Got his first interception of his career against a rookie in Kenny Pickett. And they picked on, Pickett did pick on Kyrie Elam a little bit in this game, knowing he's the rookie. Dane Jackson has played really well this year. So Kyrie Elam is going to be the de facto pick on guy because he's a rookie. And George Pickens, it was just a pick on matchup. We had Pickens and pick, Pickett and Pickens going, picking on Kyrie Elam. And Pickens made some really nice catches. You can tell George Pickens is a baller. We had him getting going in the first round this past draft, and it weren't for an injury. I don't think there's any doubt in my mind that George Pickens would have been a first-round draft pick. I don't think there's any doubt in my mind that he would have been a first-rounder. We had him going to the Chiefs at the at pick 30, I think pick 30? That's where we had him, pick 30? So they had two first-round picks. Remember, they got Trent McDuffie, the corner from Washington, and they drafted George Karlaftis, the edge rusher from Purdue, and they got Sky Moore in the second round. So they got the receiver. We knew what position they were kind of looking at, but... I thought they'd take Pickens a lot earlier. I thought Pickens would go a lot sooner than what he did. But, man, good game. Really good game. And I want to say this as well. My my dad and I talked about this the entire game. Kenny Pickett didn't play bad. It's really weird to say this when your team is getting blasted by 35 points that you say your quarterback didn't play bad. Kenny Pickett did not play bad at all. He's a rookie going up against the number one defense in the league. So he's not going to look fantastic, but the game's not too fast. He's not looking scared in the pocket. He's standing in there. He's making throws. He's always going to get hit. He's running. He's smart when he runs. Like, sure, it's not the game that he wants to start off his career. He has four interceptions in his first two games. He threw three picks last week against the Jets. Granted, two of them, I don't even remember what the second one was, but I know the first and third ones are a little bit unfortunate on his part. First one, Jace Claypool made a really bad play at the ball. He's a 6'5 wideout, got outplayed by a 5'9 defender. And then the last play of the game was just a, a heave towards the end zone. So that's that's whatever. But he, I didn't know this. I saw this today. Kenny Pickett's the first player in NFL history, first quarterback in NFL history, to have two rushing touchdowns in his first game. I didn't know that was a thing. 
I did not know that was a thing. No rookie quarterbacks ever rushed for two touchdowns in a game or in his first game. That's weird. I don't, it might not be weird to you, but that's that's weird to me. Especially since Kenny Pickett. And this is no slouch on Kenny Pickett. We already know Kenny Pickett can move. He obviously has the fake slide thing that he did at Pitt that's now an illegal play in college football. And again, don't worry, we'll get to college football in a little bit. We had some very exciting games here in the state of Iowa yesterday. So we got we to talk about these awesome Iowa football games. But yeah, the Bills are good. We knew that going in, we the Bills were 14-point favorites. I don't remember what I said exactly. I said it was cautious against against the Steelers on Sunday. Or on Friday when we talked about it for today's game. I was cautious going into it because I understand what the Steelers can do defensively. And even without T.J. Watt. Their secondary with Minka Fitzpatrick feels like he's got an interception or at least a, a turnover, forced a turnover in every single game he's played this year. That's what it felt like anyways. I could be wrong about that. I'm not looking at anything, so it could be wrong. So I was cautious. But I think I did say the Bills were going to win this game by double digits. I think I was I was confident yet cautious in this game. Like, Najee Harris is another reason. The Bills' rush defense this year versus what it's been is two completely different animals. This Bills' rush defense now is so much better than what it has been. And it just <laughs> stands my point that I made to my dad all these years. I didn't like Star Lutalele. He had his moments, but he was one of those guys who was kind of just big for no reason. You know what I'm, you know what exactly what I'm talking about with that? The D-line's playing really well this year. Like, I saw a thing on NFL.com or NFL.com's Twitter or Instagram account. They ranked the Bills' D-line as the second-best unit in the NFL. That's crazy. That's absolutely insane to think about. I never would have thought that. Going into the season, that the Bills' D-line would be one of the best in the NFL. Because previous years, it's been one of the worst in the NFL. But they're playing awesome. And they held Najee Harris to 20 yards rushing average, 1.8 yards a carry. This is a big dude. Najee Harris no slouch. Najee Harris is a baller. But they stopped him. It was awesome. Absolutely awesome. But, yeah, I'll, I'll stop talking about this game. I'll stop waxing lyrical about this game because it was just awesome. It was just really fun. I love these types of games. Like, and the Bills had so many players out, too. Like, Jordan Poyer was out again. Terrell Edmonds. Tremaine Edmonds was out again. Terrell, Ed- Terrell Edmonds for the Steelers was out, was out of the game as well. But Tremaine Edmonds was out for the Bills. Then you had Dawson Knox out. Then you had Isaiah McKenzie out with a concussion. See, Dolphins, that's how you treat a player with a concussion. Yes, he ran off the field, but he had a concussion. So we're not going to play him in this game. That's just common sense, right? Right? You would think that, right? And speaking of concussion, Teddy Bridgewater left the game with a concussion. Skylar Thompson had to play today. So we saw two. I'm trying to remember if there, if I, if there was any other rookies that were playing. But Skylar Thompson played today for the Dolphins. We'll talk about the Dolphins here in a little bit again. But the Bills had a lot of good players out of this game. And I can't wait for Trey Davis White to come back, who's one of the best corners in the NFL when healthy. Towards ACL on Thanksgiving against the Saints last year. And I was telling my dad this during the game, because Trey White was on the sideline. He had a nice bucket hat on everything. Had some shades on, bucket hat. Chilling, straight chilling. And it's nice to have this problem of where your secondary is all banged up. All banged up. Like, Micah Hyde, Poyer, White, Benford, they're all out. White hasn't played all year. Hyde got hurt against the Titans. Poyer's missed two of the past three games. Missed the Dolphins game. Missed today. Played last week. Got two intercepts against the Ravens. I think it was a rib injury that he had. But the secondary's not playing bad. And yet you get to insert Tredavious White, who again is one of the best corners in the NFL, and I would assume it's going to be after the bye week. I I would like to see him against the Chiefs because I got a Tredavious White jersey. And I want to rock my Trey White jersey to the Bills-Chiefs game next week. But... If he doesn't play, I don't... I, it's different. So this is the thing. 
Because I know there's some people out there that are probably, probably sitting there thinking, Logan, you wore a J.P. Lossman to the Bills Chiefs game last year. J.P. Lossman jersey. But yeah, this is one of the fun things about Bills Mafia and just Bills fans in general. You can have the most atrocious player of all time on your roster, and you could rock that jersey proudly. Because during the drought era for the Buffalo Bills, there's a lot of very, very bad players. But you'll see all these people wearing their... Do you know how many Nathan Peterman jerseys there are on in Buffalo? An egregious amount of Nathan Peterman jerseys. I got a J.P. Lossman jersey, who was drafted in the same year as Eli Manning, Philip Rivers, and Ben Roethlisberger. Like, the Bills thought they got a coup in that draft. They got Lee Evans and then J.P. Lossman. <laughs> it didn't work out. <laughs> but I got the jersey. Because I got to rock a white, white jersey. Unless the Chiefs rock white for some reason, I got to rock a white jersey. So I got my Josh Allen jersey, my Trey White jersey, or my J.P. Lossman jersey. And last year, if I just went off this, last year, I wore J.P. Lossman for the, the regular season game. The Bills dominated, won by 18 points. Patrick Mahomes' biggest defeat until the week after when they played the Titans got blasted. And then I wore Josh Allen to the, the playoff game, and the Bills lost. Greatest game of all time, but they lost. So I think I've, oh, I do have a Josh Allen Wyoming jersey. I forgot about that. I got this for Christmas, either last Christmas or two Christmases ago. I forgot I had this thing. I'm looking at it right now. So I record my show in my closet. <laughs> I got I got my white J- Josh Allen. Well, I might need to wear the Wyoming jersey, you know? It's a little tight. It's a little tight, but because it's a large. I mean, all my jerseys are larges. But this one's not, I'm sorry to say, it's not official. <laughs> It's like one of those old school, or not old school, but if you played like college football or just college sports, you have those like loose dry fit Nike shirts that cost like 20 bucks. It's not the actual cool ones. It's one of those like $20 Nike dry fit shirts. That's what this is pretty much in a jersey form, but it's cool. It's Josh Allen. So I might rock that one too. I kind of forgot about the jersey. I might pack it. I might pack all three jerseys, but no, I, I expect Trey Davis White to come back after the bye week. Because after the Chiefs game, they go on a bye week. And then, load computer. Computer, come on, load. I got serious talking points to make here. Who do they play? <laughs> Who do they play after the Chiefs? Oh, the Packers. Uh, the Pack- they play the Packers on uh, October 30th. Man. And my computer's just not going to load. This is beautiful. What's going on? This is acting stupid again. Like, I... I'm getting I'm getting scared. I have Wi-Fi right now. <laughs> I don't want to lose Wi-Fi again. Like we were recording the show a few weeks ago, we were gonna have a fantasy football draft while we were recording, or not while we were recording, but we we're gonna have people over for a fantasy draft, and then my Wi-Fi crapped out. I don't want that to happen again. I mean, it doesn't affect me recording. I can still record, but it affects me looking up stuff. There we go. There we go. Okay, we got it. We got it. It's back. It's back. It's back. It's back. Yes, the Bills got the Packers after the Chiefs game. So the Chiefs play the Chiefs next Sunday. Packers on the 30th. Sunday night football. Chiefs, Bills, Packers in Buffalo. And how the Packers are freaking playing. Good Lord. They stink. What is going on with the Packers? You cannot sit there and tell me Devontae Adams is the reason that this team cannot do anything. They are looking bad. They don't look good at all. They didn't look convincing against the Bears. They didn't look convincing against a bad Patriots team with their third-string quarterback. Now, the Patriots won today, beat, killed the Lions today, 
At least I burned, the last time I saw it was 29 nothing. And then he lost to the freaking Giants. I understand Brian Dable, one of the GOATs, has transformed this New York Giant mentality. I understand that. You're still the freaking Packers, okay? You still got the back-to-back reigning, defending, whatever the hell you want to call it, MVP Aaron Rodgers. How are you struggling like this against the Giants? And your defense is not bad either. You got Quay, Quay Walker in the first round. Like, Quay Walker is a baller. Massive dude at linebacker. You got Rashawn Gary off the edge. Jair Alexander played today. David Bakhtiari played today. And yet you struggle against the Giants. The Giants. Again, I understand the Giants are 4-1. I understand Dable's done some things there at that organization to make them turn things around a lot quicker than expected. Like, I thought they'd be better. I didn't think they'd get four wins out of their first five games, especially when they're playing the Titans, Panthers, Cowboys, Bears, and Packers. Maybe two wins. Not five, not four. I didn't really expect them to beat the Titans. I didn't really expect them to beat the Packers. Especially not the Packers. And they were close against the Cowboys. But the Pack, pack come on, man. Come on. This is, this is getting stupid. You can't be losing to the Giants. It's not... It wasn't even a road game. You're technically the home team in London, <laughs> which which also brings up a funny thing. I saw Roger Goodell had an awesome quote about this. Uh, the NFL in London. So, again, we had the Packers-Giants this week. It's the first time two teams above 500 to play each other. It's the 31st edition of the London game. We had the, the Vikings versus the Saints last week. And Roger Goodell said, this is official NFC, Sunday Night Football on NBC's Instagram account. There's no question that London can support not just one franchise, but I think two franchises. No. No, 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 no. In regards to... what? Do I, how do I want to say this? I think it can be profitable, which is all the NFL is really concerned about, but it's not going to be a good product. And again, I bring this up all the time. This is what we talked about with the, the, the Super League a few years ago, if you remember that awesome thing that was going to take place with all the big clubs around Europe and soccer going to combine and create a Super League and then travel all across the world and play all these games, these big-time stadiums like that, like boxing. Like, we'll have a boxing match between two British dudes. It'll be over in Abu Dhabi or something like that, or Qatar, or somewhere, Saudi Arabia. Like, just go to you – know, the game is going to be played where the person – or the country that bids the most, that's where the game will be played. In these situations, no, I know, I understand this would be a London thing. It wouldn't be traveling to Abu Dhabi or Qatar or Saudi Arabia or China or wherever. It'd just be London, and they come to the States and all that. But the thing is, with this whole thing, let's talk about the let's talk about the, the, the positives here. For the NFL's sake. For the NFL's sake, let's talk about the positives. So when you look at the NFL. What's the NFL do better than every other sport league, better than any other sport league in the United States? Make money. The NFL, I've said this a thousand times, the only uncancelable league in the world. I think every other sports league can get canceled. Not the NFL, at least the United States. Not the NFL. No matter what the NFL does, it will never be canceled. People go, oh, I'm not watching anymore. Yeah, okay, you're watching. You're watching the NFL. We love football way too much in this country for you not to watch the NFL. You can go on your high horse somewhere else, but we're watching the NFL, okay? Everybody said there's a ton of people that say, oh, I'm done watching the NFL. I'm done doing it. I, I, I'm done with the Shield. Nope, you're going to watch it. You're going to keep watching it. But in games like this, this is why the NFL had the Chargers and Rams move to Los Angeles. Fan support's going to be awful. It's going to be absolutely awful. 
But what you get in these big markets that don't have very big football cultures, quote-unquote, like L.A. or London, you're going to get people that are touring, that are in L.A. and like, oh, wouldn't it be fun if we went to this? Especially over in London where you don't see that happen all the time. You're like, oh, this will be a one-time thing. We'll go to this. It'll be fun. You see, like, Rams jerseys, Giants jerseys, Saints jerseys, Bears jerseys, Jaguars jerseys for a game against the Packers and Giants. And again, like last week, Saints, Vikings. You see jersey of every team in the NFL. There's no real support for this in London. But what the NFL is looking at here, with all these new faces coming in, there's going to be new faces every single week. You get that in LA, you get that in London. New faces come in. Businesses want to come in. And do business meetings there. It's going to be awesome. You're going to have all these press boxes and everything. What happens in those situations, you're going to constantly make money. Because when you go to these other markets around the NFL, let's, say, let's use Green Bay and Buffalo for two, just because they're two smaller markets in the NFL. In those markets, they're not quote-unquote profitable because they're not in quote-unquote bigger cities, like New York City or L.A. or Dallas or wherever. You're not going to have people just randomly going to Buffalo and then going, Oh, since we're in town, let's go to the Bills game. Might as well. You don't have that with Buffalo. You have fans. You have season ticket holders. You have all that. In L.A., there, I guarantee there's not a ton of season ticket holders there. So you have people coming in, buying new merchandise, buying drinks, buying all that. If you're a season ticket holder, you don't need to buy all that. You've already bought it. You got the season ticket. You're not going to go to the souvenir shop every single week and buy something new. you got a season ticket. But if you're new, it's your one year, one game a year you get to go to. You're going to go and spend 300 bucks on souvenir stuff like cups, jerseys, sweatshirts, hats, whatever. You're going to buy it because it's your one time there. That's what you get in London and L.A. Not diehard fans, which is what is the problem with these types of relocations and things like this. Diehard fans in St. Louis and San Diego got their teams ripped from them because they're not as profitable as what they will be in L.A. From a fan support side of things, LA has been a total failure. Totally, did you see the Rams Super Bowl parade? Utter failure. The same thing would happen in London. And the other problem here with the the NFL in London, you're going to ask people that were born in America, from America, to now relocate to London across the pond, and then travel expenses. Let's say the London Lions or whatever the hell they're going to be called, London Monarchs, Come over to play the L.A. Chargers. You're going to tell them to fly from London to L.A. and then back and then tell them, hey, you're going to have a Thursday night football game this week as well. That seems fun. That seems logical. But you get new faces every week, so you're going to make back that money, right? It doesn't make any sense, really. If you're going to relocate to another country, it has to be Mexico or Canada. Like, those are it. That's it. London makes no sense apart from you're seeing new faces every single week. London's a big-time city. But from a traveling expense, that makes zero sense to do that at all. What is a flight just for, uh, I don't know, Buffalo to London? What is that flight to London flight? That's a 10-hour flight from Buffalo, New York to London, England. 10 hours. And then what's what's the... I'm scared to see this one. What's L.A. to London? Good Lord. You leave to on Sunday, October 23rd, and then you 
Wait, okay, I'm confused about this. Oh, no, that's just when the day, the flights are. Flight from London, it doesn't even say. It doesn't even say. Really? Or is it 10 hours? What, what? I'm confused now. I'm confused. I, I don't know what's going on. They're both saying 10 hours. I know that's not true. <laughs> both of these flights ain't $10. 10 hours long. Buffalo is a lot closer to London than LA is. It just doesn't make any sense. There's no real fan support there. And it, you're going to talk about, in this situation, are you talking about creating a new team? Or are you relocating teams there? Because then that's a whole other issue we got to get over here. Like the NFL, again, it's uncancelable. People are going to watch regardless. But people from St. Louis hate the Rams. People from San Diego kind of hate the Chargers. They can still travel up like an hour and a half, two hours, three hours to get to L.A. So they could still do that. It's still in SoCal. But the Rams fans, I went to a, to William Penn with a few Rams fans, or ex-Rams fans. They hate the Rams. Absolutely hate the Rams. That's one of the problems when you're doing this all for money, and that's where, you're, where player safety also come, goes out the window. Because what we saw with Tua last Thursday, you have a game against Miami and Cincinnati. You have the first overall pick and the fifth overall pick playing each other, two of the top teams in the NFL, the 2020 NFL draft that year, they're playing each other. What's more profitable for the NFL? If Tua plays or if Teddy Bridgewater plays? What's more profitable? Sure, they're going to get viewers regardless, but who's going to watch? What are you going to watch more? Like, that's where the problem is with all of this. Things like that get pushed aside for that stuff. Like making money, fan support, don't matter. We're making money, don't matter about fan support. You're going to watch it regardless. Again, you're going to watch it. Why do you care where they're playing? Why you're going to watch it? That's what the mindset is. I don't know. But the Packers, the, oh good Lord, they're they're frustrating. They're really frustrating. You still have Aaron Rodgers. You still have a really good defense. And you lose to the Giants. And you have the ball on fourth down inside your own 10, and you can't score. Fourth and two. It wasn't like it was fourth and goal at your own 10. It was fourth and two. You can't get two yards. You have the biggest running back in the NFL in A.J. Dillon. You can't get two yards. Crazy. Absolutely crazy. But the Vikings, we talked about them a little bit. This was a game, a 4-1 and Vikings team. They have talent. This is a team that should always be good. You would think they'd always have a really good team. Look at the talent they have. Just names alone, like Dalvin Cook and Justin Jefferson are just names themselves. Like, those are two. Justin Jefferson's top five. Dalvin Cook, is he a top five back in the league? He's up there. He's definitely top 10. It's not even a conversation. He's top seven easily. But those are two stars in the league. And this is a team that can't get out of their own way 99% of the time. And they're winning this game 21, what was it, 21 to 3 at one point? Is that the score at one point, 21 3? Yeah, 21 3 towards the end of the second, the end of the first half. Bears scored a touchdown. David Montgomery got a nine yard touchdown run. To close it to 11 points. And Kirk Cousins was like 17 of his first 17 passes. Which is stupid. Dalvin Cook had two rushing touchdowns. Jamar Chase 154 yards. And then it's just all... We're, we're letting the Bears back in. Why are the Bears back? Why are the Bears coming back in this game? This is not a good team. I, again, I'll say it over and over again. The Bears are not good. I don't care they have two wins. This team's not good. They are not good at all. They're very, very not good. <laughs> This is a game like we talk about with the Bills. 
This should be a game that a team that's supposed to be one of the best in the NFL should win easily. This is one of those situations like that. You cannot look past a lower-level opponent. You can't let them come back into the game. Once it is over, by the point where you're scoring at will, they can't stop you. Don't let them back in the game. There's no reason Kirk Cousins should have had 41 pass attempts in this game and only come up with 296 yards. That's crazy. That's crazy. But the Vikings are a good team. I don't know what was going on in this game, why they let them back in. But they're 3-0 at home, 4-1 this year. They didn't show up in that game against the Eagles that they lost. <laughs> and they play the Dolphins next week. And it was going to be like Teddy Bridgewater versus old team, but uh, Teddy Bridgewater doesn't look like he's going to play. But it's the Dolphins. You know what? He could have a mysterious back injury. But let's go to the Dolphins now. Because this is the this is your king. This is your king. The best team in the NFL. This is your king right here, right? They beat the Bills. Is this your best team in the NFL? Losing 40-17 to 17 to the Jets? I don't care if they have a backup quarterback in. I don't care. I don't care if they have their third string quarterback in. You don't get beat 40-17 to 17 by the Jets. You don't let them score 21 points in the fourth quarter alone. This game stunk. I mean, it was fun. I thoroughly enjoyed this game. I When the Jets are not playing the Bills, and I know the Jets are in the same division as the Bills, I really don't have too many. Like, when the Bills were bad, when the Jets were bad, or the Jets were good and the Bills were bad, like, I did not, I hated the Jets. Hated the Jets. Hate their logos, hate their colors, all that stuff. Hated everything. But now they're really bad, and you're playing against the Dolphins, who I hate a lot more than the New York Jets. I'm cheering for the Jets. It was the same thing last year. Like, the Titans and Jets played. The Titans beat the Jets. Or the Jets beat the Titans in overtime. Like, my dad and I were jokingly cheering for the Jets. Like, the Jets, if the Jets win, yeah, they're 3-2. and two. It don't affect me at all. I don't really care if the Jets are 3-2. and two. But, man, the Dolphins are 3-2 and two now. That's your king? Remember that? That when you guys all crowned them the kings of the NFL when they beat the Bills? It was an anomaly game. Anomaly game. And they got shit stomped by the Jets. And this is just going to... I hope it keeps happening. I actually just hope it keeps happening. And I hope Tua doesn't play the rest of this year. And I hope it just keeps going downhill like this. Now, they play the, Dol- they play the Vikings next week. At home. At noon. So maybe the Vikings get blasted with heat, or maybe the Dolphins just allow the Vikings to have coolers on the sideline. That'd be kind of cool, right? Wordplay. Nice. Water. But Brees Hall, jokes aside, Brees Hall had a really good game. Brees Hall is going to be really good. We knew that going into the game, this season, though. Like we, Brees Hall was the number one back in this draft class by a mile. Like Kenneth Walker had a really good season at Michigan State last year. Really good season. He was their entire offense last year Michigan State. But Brees Hall did everything. It wasn't just a one-hitter one-hitter quitter last year for Brees Hall. Brees Hall had great career at Iowa State. He had, what was it, 20-something games in a row with a rushing touchdown? Like, Brees Hall is a baller. And he improved so much last year just by being a pass catcher. He led the, t- the Jets in receiving yards today. Granted, one of them was on 79 yards, but dude, this dude's a beast. Brees Hall is now, it took a little bit to get going in regards to taking the number one back spot away from Michael Carter, but Brees Hall is the number one back. You saw that last week starting to come into effect that Brees Hall is going to be the number one back in the Jets, but now it's here. Now it's secured. Brees Hall is the number one guy. He's better than Michael Carter. I like Michael Carter. He was good at North Carolina, scored two touchdowns today, but Brees Hall is just different right now. And I'm excited. It scares me a little bit too because he plays for the Jets. I don't want Brees Hall to be good on the Jets. I would have been fine with Brees Hall being good pretty much everywhere else. 
apart from the Jets, Patriots, Dolphins, Steelers, uh, Chiefs. <laughs> I think those are my top five least favorite teams in the NFL. I think. Maybe I'm forgetting one. I can't remember. But any of those other teams, Brees Hall could not be good for. I couldn't have it. But he could be good or anybody else. But those five, he can't be. Zach Wilson looked pretty good today. Skylar Thompson, he looked, uh, I mean, not great today. Uh, their pass attack was non-existent, really. 47 yards was the high for Tyreek Hill today. But Teddy Bridgewater had one pass attempt, did not complete it. And, uh, yeah, got concussion. But we'll see if he actually got a concussion or he got a back injury. You know what? You never know with these types of things. You never know with concussions. Like, sure, he got his lights knocked out. Sure, he's uh, wobbling and everything. That could be a back injury. You know, that'd just be a back injury. Maybe it's not even that. Maybe it's just like a hand injury and it just hurt really bad. Maybe it's just that. I mean, it could be anything. He's walking, so like that means he's that means he's fine, right? He's walking. He's moving. He's moving his extremities. That means he's fine, right? That's what that, that that's that, that that that's what that means, right? He can move, so he can play. <laughs> Is that the? We're not going back to the 1930s here. We're in 2022, where we supposedly care about player safety. Oh my god! But yeah, 40 to 17. Mwah, beautiful. Absolutely loved it. Well, we had some other games going on today as well. The most unwatchable game of two most unwatchable games of all time: Titans Commanders versus the and the Texans and Jaguars. It was six nothing, six to six going into the fourth quarter. Then Damian Pierce finally scored a touchdown, ninety nine yards of touchdown for the rookie out of Florida. Baller, absolute baller. And the Titans Commanders, good lord, sucks. Hate this game. Uh, it was funny. They had the halftime show for the Bills Steelers. They didn't even show highlights of the tight the Texans and Jaguars game. Like sure it was six to six with two field goals, but man, there's got there had to be something. There'd be something going on there. Had to be, right? <laughs> there could be could be anything. I want to look at their drives here. Oh, we had one eleven play drive. That's nice. But man, the, the, that game was brutal. I didn't see a single second of that game, and I'm glad. I feel bad for people that are actually Jaguars and Texans fans. I know I know one Jaguars fan. Two. I know two Jaguars fans. I haven't talked to them in a few years, but I don't know any Texans fans. Never met a Texans fan in my life. Maybe if I have, I don't remember it at all. Titans fans, I know a few Titans fans. And Commanders, I know like one Commander fan. I feel bad for people that are watching that. We got Thursday Night Football with the Commanders and Bears. Yuck. That is going to be brutal. I don't even know where it's at. I'm probably not even... I'm gonna, well, we're going to be in a car. We might have it on somewhere, but it's going to... God... And he had the Buccaneers and Falcons, 21 to 15. Bucks wanted a very boring game. Tom Brady had 52 pass attempts in this game. Absolutely ridiculous. We had the Saints and Seahawks play. Saints won 39 to 32. Andy Dalton was a starting quarterback for the Saints, but Jay Taysom Hill had three touchdowns in this game, three rushing touchdowns. Also had a passing touchdown as well. Four total touchdowns for Taysom Hill. I'm old enough to remember when the Saints said, or people said that he's the Saints version of Lamar Jackson. And now he's the third string behind Jameis Winston and uh, Taysom Hill. That's not what I really expected from the Saints version of Lamar Jackson. That's not really what I was expecting. But you know what? Shit happens. Shit happens. And then we had the Patriots and Lions. Patriots won 29 nothing. A crazy game. Crazy game. We had Bailey Zappi start the game for the New England Patriots. He had a very nice game. Or not very nice, but he had a good game. Good game. 188, one touchdown, one pick. Also had five yards rushing, which is very impressive. Might have fumbled once, but he didn't lose it. Three incompletions, one interception. He didn't have a bad game. Like he, 
He played well. Ramondre Stevenson, 161 yards rushing. Very nice game for the second-year guy out of uh, where's he from? Oklahoma. I think he's from Oklahoma. No, I should double-check that. I'm not confident in saying that. He's from Oklahoma, right? Yeah, he's from Oklahoma. But yeah, 161 yards, big-time Patriots win. And then we have the Chargers-Browns, which is probably the best game of the early slate. That's actually supposed to be a close game. Uh, the Chargers won 30-28. to They were losing the game early in the game. They were losing early. They were down 14 nothing, And they came back, and they were winning 17-14. And then the Browns scored, and then the Chargers scored, and then they scored again, and the Browns scored, and then the Chargers scored in the fourth quarter to seal it out. And, yeah, Chargers win the game. Austin Eckler, 173 yards, one touchdown. Also had 126, 126. He also had 26 yards receiving a touchdown there. And Mike Williams, 134 yards receiving. No touchdowns for him, though. Herbert, 228, one touchdown, no picks. Jacoby Reset and the weirdly fourth-ranked offense in the NFL, Cleveland Browns. Nick Chubb, 134 yards, two touchdowns. Nick Chubb's dominating this year. Absolutely dominating this year. But this game was supposed to be good. That was supposed to be good. But that was the game they switched the Bills game to. And then we got some games going. I just shot myself in the face with water. Yuck. And then we got some games going on right now. We got the 49ers winning 10-0 over the, the Carolina Panthers. We got the Cowboys beating the Rams 9-3. And we got the Eagles beating the Cardinals 7-0. And then Sunday Night Football, we got the Bengals and the Ravens. And then we got Monday Night Football, we got the Raiders and the Chiefs. Ugh, we got, a fun, we got some fun games. I'm excited for that Bengals-Ravens game, Sunday Night Football. You guys will know what happened. I don't know what happened yet. Because, again, it's not even 4 o'clock where I'm recording right now. But it'll be fun. It'll be a fun one. Now... We talked about the Bills. Talk about the Bills. Ah, do I want to talk about... Uh, I had some about Antonio Brown. He's just being a dickhead. I don't know why. Tom Brady's going through a divorce right now, and Antonio Brown's bashing the only person that tried to help him in the NFL, and that's Tom Brady, by posting pictures with him and Giselle and posting... I don't know. AB's just being stupid. I don't, I don't know what's going on there. But now, let's go on to college football. And we talked about the Bills' offense being one of the most unstoppable offenses in the NFL, if not the most unstoppable offense in the NFL, to the most stoppable offense in college football. Like, it, it it's brutal. It's brutal. Like, it, I don't... There's not really a lot much to say about it, and it, the thing that pisses me off, I'm not even going to really bash Petrus here. I'm going to avoid that. We already know he's not good. We already know he's one of the worst, if not the worst, quarterback in Iowa football history. The conversation between him and Jake Christensen is very, very broad conversation. There's a lot of layers to get through with that one. But I'll avoid the – I respect Petrus a lot for answering calls of the media. He answers every single interview question post game, Every single one. No matter what happens. And yesterday, you can't even really say the game's 100% on him. Through an interception, sure. But he didn't play, like, atrociously like we're used to seeing. Iowa's O-line played really bad, and Iowa's play calling was some of the worst play calling I've seen in a very, 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 very long time. This offense sucks. It's not even, like, it's almost laughable how bad this is, and then they're still, amazingly, people out there that defend this offense because, oh, they won 10 games last year. Kirk Ferentz said that after the press conference, during the press conference last night, and they won 10 games last year. Awesome. This team might not win six. This is the worst offense in college football. This is the worst offense in Iowa's history. 
and the only reason they've won three games is because they got an insane defense with an insane special teams unit. It's very rare to have a top five defense, a top five special teams unit, and a top 131 offense. And I say that because I'm not even sure they rank. They might rank 131. I don't know if they rank 130 or not. They might be there. Do you know how good this team could be if they had somewhat of a game plan on offense? Or just somewhat of anything on offense? You know how frustrating this is to watch? And this is why I respect Petrus about it, because he's actually answering the questions. You know who's not answering any questions? Kirk's dickhead son, Brian. He hasn't answered a single question. He has. N- I have never seen him talk to the media after a game. Not once. And this is after games where Iowa has scored a whopping 7, 7, and 6 points. One of those was a win. Four of those 7 points in one of those games were two safeties. This offense sucks. Like, there, it, it, it is so bad. Like, it's almost to the point where I just don't even want to talk about Iowa football anymore. But I'm an Iowa fan. I was raised an Iowa fan. I am suffered through some bad football, but nothing like this. Where I just feel like I'd rather ram my head in the wall and I'd get more done in that time frame than Iowa would doing anything offensively. Like, next week, or they got a bye week. They got a bye week. Thank the Lord. I don't know what the hell they're going to do in this bye week because they play Ohio State next week. Or the week after the bye week. This is going to be one of those games where... It's just going to be bad. What's, do they have an early line on this game yet? I, I bet it's going to be like 25. This line, the line for the Iowa-Ohio State game. It might be 25. I, it's just... I saw I saw this on Twitter. I thought this was very interesting. Iowa's record if offense scored 21 points in every game. Just 21. Just 21. That's not asking a whole lot. That's 21 points. That's it. It's not anything. In the Brian Ferentz era, actual record in parentheses. So in 2017, Iowa went 8 and 5. They could have gone 10 and 2. 2018, they went 9 and 4. They could have gone 10 and 3. 2019, they went 10 and 3, 12 and 1. 2020, they went 6 and 2. That one's really no different. Last year went 10 and 4, 11 and 3. And then now they could be 5 and 1, said they're 3 and 3. Because they scored 7 points or less in in what? In two, in th- at least three. Uh, yeah, 7 points in three games. So less than 7 points in three games. 7 or less points in three games. In the last calendar year, Iowa scored seven points or fewer six times. The worst offense of the country and perhaps the worst in modern football. A major call, a major change must be made if fans are to believe the program is if if to believe in this program any longer. Period. That's from Chris Hassel. Like there's so many things you could say about this offense that's already been said, and it's just like. Everybody's repeating the same thing because you know nothing's going to change. But you keep hoping something's going to change. It's like you're just sitting there feeling insane. Because you know nothing's going to happen. I don't care if there's a bye week now. Like even Marv McNutt, one of the greatest players in Iowa's football history. One of the greatest offensive weapons Iowa's ever had. We need our offense just to be in two-minute offense now like forever. 
Fire, someone, fire Brian Ferentz, the worst called game in college football history. Football's a game of chess, and Brian Ferentz is just taking a shit on a checkers board. <laughs> like, it's just, it's absolutely brutal. Like, they're calling tight end screens that are 10 yards behind the line of scrimmage. That's not how you set up screen plays. I understand Iowa's O-line's not anything spectacular. I understand that. I'm not naive to that fact. But this game plan sucks. It's bad. And it's not even like Illinois. No offense to Illinois. They're not a murderous row team. They have some decent players on offense and defense, but good Lord. They scored nine points. Nine. Hell, if Iowa just scored two touchdowns, they'd be 5-1 and one right now. In every game, if they scored two touchdowns, at least they'd be 5-1 and one right now. That's it. That's all they need. They only need 10 points to beat Illinois and South Dakota State. It's brutal. Absolutely brutal. And I hate that people actually defend this because, oh, we're Iowa fans. We can't bash this. We can't bash this. We're supporters. We're fans. We're supposed to support them. Yeah, but you're also yes men. The people that you actually care about, the people you actually support, if they're doing something stupid or doing something that could be detrimental, you tell them about it. You don't sit there and go, oh, they're my family member. If they do something wrong, I'm not going to tell them about it because I support you. No, if they're being dickheads, inform them they're being dickheads and stop putting up with it. If they're harming themselves, you inform them of that. If they're going to do something stupid, you inform them not to do it. You can bash things or be critical of things if you support it. It's just being insane to go, oh, I'm an Iowa fan. I can't. uh, They won 10 games in spite of the offense. In spite of the offense. I don't know what kind of changes they're going to make at the bye week. There's no changes they're going to be able to make to to prepare against Ohio State. They're not. They're not. I understand Iowa's got a really good defense. They have not played an offense like Ohio State. You saw what happened with Wisconsin last weekend. This is not a bad football. Ohio State's good on both offense and defense. They don't even have their best receiver. And they're dropping, what, 50 points a game? They're averaging 48.8 points a game. You're telling me, no matter how good this Iowa defense is, that they're stopping that and are able to not only stop that, but score enough points for against defense that averages up, giving up only 15.7 points a game as opposed to Iowa's 19.8 points a game. Iowa doesn't even score as many points as Ohio State gives up this year. If you're sitting there and you believe that there's a chance in hell in this game, being at Ohio State, you're insane. And I'm open to being wrong about that. I'm open to me. I'd be more than happy to be wrong about this game. That is going to be an absolute bloodbath. This is not the same Ohio State team that played Iowa a few years ago in Kinnick. They got a better quarterback. They got a better running game. They got better receivers. They don't even have their best receiver. CJ Stroud is the number one quarterback in college football right now. And he just dropped six passing touchdowns, seven if you include the pick six, six passing touchdowns on Michigan State last week. They dropped against Wisconsin, which is a very evenly matched team with Iowa. They dropped 52 points on them. And you're going to sit there and try to tell me that Iowa is going to stop this offense? Wisconsin and Iowa are not that different. Like, sure, Ohio State might be slow out the gate. They might be slow out the gate, sure. I understand that. Ohio State, at the start of a lot of games this year, have been a little bit slow out the gate. But good, it's going to be brutal. 
But I'm not I'm not looking forward to it. And the sad part is I'm going to sit there and watch every second of it. I hope it's a noon game or a 11 o'clock game it's just so I can get on with my day. I don't need to end my day with that. I don't need to end my day with this. Hell, Ohio State's best running back doesn't even lead the team in rushing yards because he's been hurt a lot this year. Trayvon Henderson. Stroud has 24 passing touchdowns, three, touch, three interceptions. 24 passing touchdowns. How many touchdowns has Iowa scored this year? Let's count them up. So scored one against Ohio Iowa State. There's one. Then you've got how many did they score against Nevada? One. So you got two, three, four touchdowns in total. Okay, that's with Nevada. Then we got Rutgers, and we're including just all touchdowns, just all touchdowns. I, I mean, even defensive touchdowns. We got five, six, seven. There's seven against Rutgers. This is combined. They didn't score seven touchdowns against Rutgers. Then Michigan. So we're at seven right now. Michigan, they scored one, two. So we're at nine. And they didn't score a lot. So we're not even at double-digit touchdowns for Iowa this year. And CJ Stroud's got 24 of them. This might, you know what? This might be a 30-point. <laughs> Iowa scored nine touchdowns this year. Against a murderer's row of teams known as South Dakota State, Iowa State, Nevada, Rutgers, Michigan, and Illinois. I understand Michigan's a top five rate team in college football. Good lord. <laughs> uh this is two weeks away, too. This is two weeks away. Ohio State's averaging forty eight point eight yards points a game. They're averaging five hundred forty three yards a game. Five hundred forty three point seven yards a game. They give up less yards than Iowa's amazing defense gives up. That's how insane this team is. This is not the same Ohio State team from a few years ago. This team's better. This team, I said last week, is probably the best team in college football. They're now ranked two. Do I agree with the new ranking system that just came out? No, I don't think Alabama should have dropped a three. They didn't play with their starting quarterback, and they won the game. I feel like that's unfair to drop them two spots. They even dropped Missouri after almost losing to – or Georgia after almost losing to Missouri. Missouri's worse than A&M. George just sat it too. Why do Alabama drop three spots? They didn't or two spots. They didn't have their quarterback. I saw Jimbo Fisher said we were playing with our backup too. Haynes King was the starter at the beginning of the year. <laughs> it doesn't count. It's not the same thing. Alabama's playing without the reigning Heisman Trophy winner, a top three quarterback in college football, and <laughs> one of the front runners for the Heisman this year. That's a little different than playing between Haynes King and Max Johnson. That's a little different. There's no real difference between Max Johnson and Haynes King. I'm sorry, A&M fans. But, man, C.J. Stroud looks good. C.J. Stroud looks good. And, and for Alabama, you, I've already, we've all known this, how important Bryce Young is to this offense. But that last night you could really tell. Their offense is completely different. With J- Jalen Milrow did not play bad. I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and say Jalen Milrow did not play good, but he had three turnovers in the game. And I understand it was his first ever college start. He's a freshman, five-star rated quarterback coming out of high school. Red, I think he's a redshirt freshman. I think he was there last year. I think he's a redshirt. But he's not Bryce Young. He's not Bryce Young. Bryce Young suited up, but Bryce Young was never going to play this game. We said this last week. We said it Friday. Like, Bryce Young, sit out. Your long-term future is more important than a game against AM. I know there's a lot riding on this game. If you lose the game, it'll be bad. But have enough faith in Jalen Rillero to get the game done. I think they can, and they did. It wasn't as comfortable as I thought it would because AM's offense has been really, really bad this year. I'm surprised it ended like this. But not having Bryce Young is big. 
not having, which makes a ton of sense. Not having the best player in college football is going to be hard. <laughs> it's going to make it be a little harder. Doesn't matter how good your backup is. He's not the best player in college football. Or one of the top two, top three. Because I think there's three players right now. At least in the, in the draft, he's top three. In the college football, he's top three. But, yeah. Let, I want to get to the other Iowa school real quick. That's Iowa State. Iowa State took on Kansas State. And uh, the state of Iowa really put on a show. Uh, both teams in prime time. Both teams in prime time. Iowa State put up a whopping nine points. So they would have beat Iowa. So they scored as many points as Illinois did. So they would have beat Iowa. Scored three field goals. Kansas State won 10 to 9. Heisman Trophy winner, Dark Horse Heisman Trophy winner from every from like 100 years ago. Adrian Martinez at 77 yards rushing, 246 yards receive, r- passing. Just a not fun game. If you are a fan of the two schools in the state of Iowa, you were treated to some terrible football last night. I am sorry. <laughs> But Kansas State, I know they're coming off a massive win against Oklahoma. Uh, they lost to Tulane. <laughs> uh, I think we've started to figure out Oklahoma's not very good. Oklahoma got blasted 49-0 last, yesterday by Texas. Absolutely shit stomped by Texas. And they had like 18 different people throw football yesterday. And they didn't have their starting quarterback either. I'm not saying Dylan Gabriel made a ton of difference because he's not on the same level as some of the other quarterbacks. There was a lot of quarterbacks out yesterday. I was really surprised about that. Like Will Levis was out for Kentucky at an ankle foot injury. I don't I don't think I didn't see a lot of the game. I tried to watch it, but it wasn't really working. But KJ Jefferson didn't play for Arkansas either. So KJ Jefferson's out for Arkansas. Will Levis is out for Kentucky. Bryce Young's out for Alabama. Any other players that were out? Really? Out? Not that I can think of. There's probably some that I'm not thinking of. The Quinn Ewers came back for Texas, which was big. But I want to talk about this game because I think there's a legitimate shot that next week is a Heisman game for either one of the quarterbacks. If he, if Bryce Young does play, of course, uh, Hendon hooker, good freaking Lord. This dude is playing at an unreal level right now. And I'm here for it. I'm absolutely here for it. Like yesterday against LSU, 239 yards, two passing touchdowns also had 56 yards on the ground on 10 rushes. I think there is a realistic shot that Hendon Hooker can win the Heisman. With how LSU is playing right now, they have beaten, at the time when they played them, three top 25 teams. And Pitt, Florida, and LSU, two of those games on the road. And in those games, this is kind of weird, he's thrown two touchdowns every game this year. <laughs> no more, no less. He's had two touchdowns every game, so he has ten touchdowns through five games. But he looks good. Hendon Hooker looks really, really good. And I, I'm excited about that because Hennon Hooker's a really good quarterback. We said this last year. Like we had him in the rankings last year. Like Hennon Hooker is no no uh what do you call it? No stranger to the Logan Blackman show. Not at all. No stranger at all to the Logan Blackman show. And he is absolutely balling out. I think you got a three way race right now. I think Caleb Williams right now is being too inconsistent to be in this race right now. I think it's between Stroud, Young, and Hendon Hooker. And those are your three guys. And those are your top three guys for the Heisman right now. I think Stetson Bennett will probably mention in there, but I just have a hard time saying Stetson Bennett is. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I cannot look at Stetson Bennett and think one of the top quarterbacks in college football. I know he's playing well. I know he's playing well, but I ref- I'm not going to sit here and say he is better than Hendon Hooker, Bryce Young, or CJ Stroud. He's nowhere close to those guys. He might be having a good season for the best team in college football, or one of the best teams in college football. But he ain't at that level. 
He ain't with those guys. He ain't with them. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Georgia fans. Stetson Bennett, and I hope a lot of you out there understand this. He's not up there with those guys. And other games around college football. So we had Bama beat A&M. A&M threw up, drew up a really dumb, stupid, idiotic play for the last play of the game. They probably should have won that game, honestly. Lost 20-24. Georgia beat Auburn 42-10. Ohio State destroyed Michigan State 49-20. They were a 23.5-point favorite. One of the easiest bets I made all weekend was this game, and they showed why. It was nervous at the beginning because C.J. Stroud, of course, threw the pick six, and they had miscommunications on that play. Let's put it like that with Egbuka, who had 143 yards receiving in the game. But they dominated that game. Michigan beat Indiana 31-10. Clemson beat Boston College 31-3. We had USC and Washington State. We said they'd keep it close. Said they'd keep it close. Quick math, they lost by 16. We thought they could cover. They didn't. Lost by 16. But Cam Ward played well in this game. But USC was just too much for it. Washington State 130-14. Oklahoma State had a tough one against Texas Tech 41-31. Tennessee won 40-13 against LSU. Uh, Ole Miss beat up on Vanderbilt. Took them a while. Took them a little bit. They were losing at halftime. 20 to 17, but they came back in the second half, scored 35 points in the second half. It ended up being a lot farther away than what it was most of the game. Uh, UCLA beat Utah 42 to 32. Yeah, DTR is playing really well. Zach Charbonnet is playing really well as well, the running back. Oregon beat up on Arizona 49 22. South Carolina beat uh, Will Levis less Kentucky 24 to 14. NC State beat Florida State 19 to 17. Florida State was winning 17 to 3 at halftime, lost 19 to 17. Wake Forest beat up on Army, 45-10. Notre Dame, Notre Dame beat BYU, 28-20. TCU beat Kansas in a very exciting game in Lawrence, 38-31. Sucks to see an Iowan ball out for a team down in Texas. Sucks. Max Duggan, 308 yards passing with three touchdowns. Also had 55 yards on the ground with a rushing touchdown there as well. Had a very good game against Oklahoma as well. And then we had Arizona State wearing some ugly uniforms, 45-38, beating Washington. Mississippi State blitzed Arkansas's terrible secondary, 140-17, and Cincinnati beat South Florida, 28-24. Now, this is a conversation we brought up the terrible uniforms by uh, Arizona State. Which is worse? I open this up to the audience. Which uniforms are worse, Tennessee's or Arizona State's? You be the judge. I think Tennessee's. Tennessee needs to throw those freaking gray uniforms into the sun. Gray uniforms are not cool. I don't care who said, especially gray and orange, you look like a prison guy. You look like you're a prisoner. They stop wearing gray and orange. It's not a good. It doesn't look good at all. And you're you're the what? They had this weird shoulder pad thing with the old school Bills jerseys from the early 2000s with JP Lossman and all those guys. Drew Bledsoe, JP Lossman era Bills jerseys, like the stupid shoulder pad things. That's what Tennessee has with these gray uniforms, like dark gray and then light gray for the you know. It's it's bad. It's not a look. It's not a look. I'm sorry. It's bad. It's really bad. It's really bad. But state of Iowa, yeah, we we need to have a better week. We need to have a better week. Does Iowa State, who's Iowa State play next week? Or are they on the bio as well? No, Iowa State plays Texas. Ooh, that'd be fun. That'd be a fun one. Yeah, that, that game yesterday, Oklahoma versus Texas, was brutal. Brutal. Quinn Ewers, four passing touchdowns returned from his injury. B. John Robinson, 130 yards rushing, two touchdowns on the game as well, at 15 yards receiving. Absolutely brutal. Yeah, five people registered a pass for Oklahoma yesterday. Five players, two interceptions. Brutal game absolutely terrible game like that I thought Texas would win I didn't think they'd win by 49 points I'm sorry I I didn't think they'd win by 49 points maybe you did maybe all you out there thought they were gonna win by 49 points but I was not one of them now in the new AP top 25 we already brought up Alabama loot dropping down to three Clemson moved up to four jumping Michigan Tennessee moved up two spots to six then we have UCLA jumping up seven spots to number 11 
TCU moved up four spots, 13. We had Kansas State or Mississippi State moved up seven spots, 16. Kansas State moved up three spots. Syracuse moved up four spots. Kansas State ranked 17. Syracuse ranked 18. Kansas stayed put at 19, didn't drop or move up or anything. Then we had Utah drop nine spots. Kentucky dropped nine spots as well. Joint 22nd ranked, Texas and Kentucky. Weird. And then James Madison, in their first year in the FBS level since moving up from FCS level, played you and I in the playoffs a few years ago. 5-0. and Ranked at the top 25. Let's give it a round of applause to James Madison. And they've had a good season. They've dominated every game apart from the Appalachian State game. But they dominated every single game they played. This is a good team. We They're no strangers to being good. They're dominant in the FCS level. Like when you and I and them played the, uh, the playoffs a few years ago where you and I didn't cross 50 until the last minute of the game, which is brutal. That season was set up for a James Madison versus North Dakota State championship. And it was. And North Dakota State unsurprisingly won. Didn't matter what James Madison did. It was just going to be one of those days where North Dakota State was just a better team. It's just how it works. I'm sorry to say that. I know there's quite a few James Madison fans that are listening right now, but uh, yeah, Jay, they're they're really good. <laughs> North Dakota State. Which, speaking of, how did North Dakota State? You and I lost yesterday. Lost to Illinois State in a rough one. Shot themselves in the foot a lot this game. 23-21 loss. North Dakota State struggled a little bit against a bad Indiana State team. 31-26 with the final. Southern Illinois beat Missouri State 38-21. South Dakota State beat South Dakota 28-3. And North Dakota beat Youngstown State 35-30. You and I is 2-4 on the season. Not really what I was expecting going into the season at 2-4. What did we have in the beginning of the year? So we had lost to Air Force. And I rotated with South Dakota, Sacramento State and North Dakota. So I should, those games I thought they could win, but I wouldn't have been surprised if they lost. And I didn't think that... I, at worst, I thought three and three, and then they go into the next week. They play Utah State, Utah Tech. That's a they have to win that game. You cannot lose to Utah Tech, and they play Missouri State, Southern Illinois, South Dakota State, and South Dakota. Yeah, that was a game that you and I needed to win, and they should have won. They should have won. Kurt Warner was back, which I never thought would happen. Kurt Warner was back in the stands at the homecoming parade and everything. Uh, the Unidome looked pretty packed, actually, looked pretty big, pretty full yesterday. But yeah. I don't know if I have anything else for you. I think that's probably it. I enjoyed today's show. I did enjoy it. I don't know if we talked about this, but Le'Veon Bell is fighting Uriah Hall on the Jake, Call, Jake Paul Anderson Silver card. That was from last week. I forgot to talk about that. Or a few days ago, but just funny. Just funny stuff. We had the NBA back. Started preseason this past week. We're going to have our uh, NFL draft prospect rankings for you on Wednesday. I've already got uh, The list is done. The list is done. There's not like... A ton of movement because two of the top three guys didn't play. It was kind of hard to go like, oh, there's a ton of movement here. But we have some people moving up the list. Some people moving down as well because when you have people up moving up, you're going to have people moving down. But it's going to be interesting with how many people are out this week. It's going to be interesting to see how we finish up the other section. Like KJ Jefferson didn't play. Where is he going? Is he going to rank in the others? Where are we going to rank him? Where are we going to rank him? Uh, this, I'm, I'm, I'm scrolling through Twitter right now. This just makes me happy. Bills won 38-3 without Tredavious White, Jordan Poyer, Jermaine Edmonds, Dawson Knox, Micah Hyde, Christian Benford. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. It's always nice to win games like that. And then <laughs> CBS was hyping up the Chiefs-Bills pre- the, the rematch, the AFC Divisional Round game. Hyping it up. I'm excited for it. I'm thoroughly excited for it. We're going to be down there, have a wedding on Friday, got the game on Sunday. 
I'll be happy on Friday. Be happy Saturday. Going downtown Kansas City on fr- on Saturday, and then uh, we'll see what happens on the on Sunday. Could be a, a mood killer for the weekend. <laughs> oh my god! I think that's all I've got for you today. I do hope you enjoyed the show. If you did not enjoy the show, I greatly apologize. We'll try to be better next time. With that being said, hope you enjoyed, and I hope you enjoy the rest of your day. Make sure again you're following Logan Blackman Show on every single form of social media. And I will see you all later. Make sure you're following on Apple Podcasts and Spotify as well. That's the most important one. Peace.